We're going to talk about filming your hunt with Bob Lagasa for permanent memories, for visual storytelling, and creating content. Let's do this. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Western Huntsman Podcast, coming at you from the Broken Town Studio in Hayden, Idaho. Glad you guys are here. Glad you're tuning in. Um, it sure feels good to to get this thing out. I think this is like the, the last episode before uh, hunting season kicks off for me. I don't know about you guys, but uh, we're getting down to it, so pretty excited about that, and it is coming quick. I know a lot of people are already out there. There, uh, there are lots of... Uh, Man, there's a lot of uh, hunters down in southern Idaho just uh, getting it done between mule deer and antelope, pronghorn. Uh, that there's uh, there's been a lot of success down there. I've seen this. It must be a good year or something, but uh, it's been fun to kind of watch that unfold. And uh, I know I'm kind of chomping at the bit. I'm going to come down there uh, next year, I think, and chase a chase a pronghorn because uh, I'm I'm kind of missing out. I'm feeling I'm feeling left out up here in North Idaho. We don't we don't have a lot of the the, the speed goats, you know. So, anyways, congratulations on on those guys. Uh, I've seen uh, I, uh, my buddy John Gabriel. He nailed a huge muley on an archery hunt in Utah. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about that hunt coming up. Well, he got it done, man, and he he did all the scouting and and figured out some of these uh, some of these mule deer up uh, up in this uh, particular area he's hunting, which which I'm f- I'm fairly familiar with uh, where he's hunting. It's tough country. It's really really tough country. Uh, super cool, rugged country though. But anyway, John gets up there and uh, like freaking everybody and their dog shows up on opening day uh where he's hunting and he was still able to kind of work his way in there and and just got a stud of a mule deer buck uh still in velvet uh got him with his bow i mean it's just it was a cool hunt to watch kind of kind of unfold there and uh so that was that was fun to see and you guys um good luck to you if if um if this is the last podcast you you listen before you get out there for some of these uh, earlier hunts or uh, getting out there for September. We do have one more School of September episode coming out, and that is going to be with Jason Phelps, and I'm going to release that next week. Like uh, I'm going to, I might even release that one on September 1st, which I think is a normal release day. But uh, I just kind of figured I'd get that out there, like right off the bat, and then um, I'm going to try to somehow figure out how I'm going to work in some episodes while while I'm actually hunting because I'm not totally sure how I'm going to do that. I need I need to like reach out to some more experienced podcasters out there that is like, okay, when, when it's hunting season, how do you get your episodes out? <laughs> so we're going to be working on that. Um, celebrated my uh, anniversary with my wife this last weekend. We had a really good time and uh, just uh, we kind of we kind of did it differently this year. And, you know, half because of COVID and half because of just other circumstances, we, we just stayed home and um, got the barbecue going, lit a big bonfire in the backyard, poured some drinks, 
and just hung out and it was it was a really good time and it was actually one of my favorite anniversaries we we had a really good time just staying at home and and just uh you know being with each other instead of you know, going out to a restaurant or and, and all the normal stuff we usually do, or sometimes we're sometimes actually a lot of times we're up camped uh, for our anniversary, and so we kind of celebrated up there. But this year was a little bit different, and and so it was a good time. You know, and on that on that note, I guess that be because somebody did ask me because they knew it was our anniversary. But like, what if if I had any advice for for some of you guys out there that are, that are about to get married? Or, or your newlyweds, or, or whatever you're thinking about, kind of transitioning into, into that chapter of your life. You know, you gotta, you gotta remember, like marriage is not, it's not like everybody focuses on the wedding, right? And and they don't focus on the years after and the work it takes to make a marriage work. And you just have to understand that it, it's you guys. Well, let me put it to you this way: in society today, there's this big focus on like this this getting to this level of equality between a husband and a wife like what you guys are you know what what do you have in common um you're you're both equal in everything and all this kind of stuff and and you're kind of missing the point when you do that be and and this is not a controversial thing to say and it's not even old-fashioned it's it just is what it is what what this what i'm trying to get at is Instead of looking for the things that that you have in common and all these equal footings and all this all this stuff to try to be the same, celebrate the differences between you, and and understand that those differences are what makes up for each other's um, wh- wherever one other one spouse or another may be lacking, and that's that's how our marriage works very well. Like there's things that I'm I'm really good at and. Uh, there's things that my wife are really good at, and and we just kind of exploit each other with those two things. Does that make sense? And so, like, we we celebrate the differences, and and the differences in in terms of like what she likes to do and be as a woman, and and what I like to do and be as a man, and and these these differences are what make a marriage beautiful. And so, uh, I I don't know how to really. I don't know if I'm even explaining that right, and it's really not even my place because, like, what am I, a marriage cancer? <laughs> but you guys, hopefully, you kind of you're kind of smelling what I'm stepping in here because I I think it is important, especially for you younger guys. And I'll give you actually I'll give you an example. One of my pet peeves is when dudes make their wives drive all the time, and the I think the reason is is because when I when I was a kid, my grandpa always drove. He always drove everywhere. And I remember I asked him one time, Grandpa, how come you're always the one driving, and and you always drive? And he kind of looks at me and, and he's like, you know, driving is a burden. And any time you could take that a, a burden off of your wife, you do it. And and so for some reason that like was super ingrained in my head. So I always look at driving as a burden. So anytime we go anywhere, I drive. I don't make my wife drive. And that's along the lines of instead of always looking for ways that you think your spouse should be making you happy or relieving you of burdens or uh, things like that, look for ways in which you can relieve a burden on your spouse or make her life better or his life better. And and look for look for ways where you know they have areas of discomfort that, that they don't like to – you know, situations maybe they don't like to be in. And do what you can to make sure that they don't have to be in those situations. It's stuff like that. Uh, the, the buzzword of, of you know sacrificing for each other is is one way to look at it. Or it's just you know being a grown up and understanding that you know um, there like the differences between my wife and I 
uh, and I'm not talking like, like the gender differences. I'm, I'm just talking about like personality, right? My wife is super shy. My my wife is, she's not like super outgoing. Uh, and, and, and like the thought of, she, she wouldn't come on this podcast if I gave her a million bucks. Actually, I take that back. You know, if I had a million bucks to give her, she she would definitely come on this podcast. <laughs> that was a bad example. My, but the point being, like the thought, my, my wife would never start a podcast. My wife would never do any kind of public speaking. My wife does not like that kind of stuff, right? She doesn't like to be in, have have light shed on her. She It's hard enough for me to get a picture of her. She doesn't like her picture taken. Where, where like, I, you, you, you look at that and I'm, I'm the exact opposite. I, I don't mind public speaking. I don't, I don't mind doing a podcast. I, I, I actually really enjoy it. And, uh, I, I'm a super social guy and I'm outgoing and, and, uh, I, I like that kind of stuff. And so we're like polar opposites that way, but it, it works in our marriage. It works great for our marriage because we balance each other out. And, and we just, we, that's, I think what, what my advice to anybody looking to get married Especially hunters, you gotta you gotta figure out a way that that you can create balance between you, whether it's within interest levels or uh, goals or um, you know ways to balance out hunting and and but but being there for your wife or your your husband or uh, you know like I there was there was a time in my life I was so addicted to fishing. I, and and I spent way too much time fishing, and I'd leave my wife hanging all the time. Uh, we'd have plans to go somewhere, but I'd get I'd I'd be up on the river and lose track of time and and make us totally late, and and she'd get really mad, and rightfully so, because I wasn't thinking about her. And 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 I think that's what I've really learned, and why our marriage works so well is is I'm always looking for ways to make her life better, and vice versa. She's always looking for ways to make my life better. So we instead of having this selfish uh, the way of looking at things and, and how, how, why, why is a spouse not doing this for me? Turn the table on that man or, or lady, uh, whoever's listening to this (laughs) and, uh, you know, just, it's, it's a, it's actually a really simple formula. Just look for ways to make your life or your wife's or husband's life better. Look for ways to improve. Look for ways to prevent them from having burdens. Like the driving thing. I know that might irritate some of you guys listening to that, 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 but it does. It irritates me. Don't you quit making your wife drive. It's a burden. Let her, let her take the passenger seat. And, and, and those are the kinds of things. And, and that stuff gets reciprocated by your spouse. So I don't know if any of that made sense, guys. I just kind of went off uh, on a tangent there and, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully it helps somebody. And, so let's just transfer right into this uh, this episode here. Um, oh, before I do that, real quick, guys, um, the youth essay entries, uh, entries, sorry, <clears throat> they're coming along. They're coming along really well. Um, we don't have a ton yet, uh, but we do have we do have. They are starting to roll in, and I just wanted to make you aware. I do have some other prizes that I'm throwing in there with the sponsor. I'm sorry, the scholarships, and so that's just something to. Um, <clears throat> to keep in mind, I've got uh, a, a custom knife that a guy named Logan Erdman made for me to give away to uh, with with one of these youth prize packages. It's a really cool Skinner knife. The thing is, uh, the thing is awesome. Actually, I, I opened it up yesterday, got it, uh, got it out of the box and tried it out. This thing is this thing is super sweet. I'd be proud to own this thing. So um, there's going to be some other prizes in there from Phelps uh, and uh, and and a couple of other things. So just uh, 
those youth essays are going to be due, we're like less than a week. So if you're listening to this before September 1st, just keep that in mind. Um, September 1st is, yeah, it's exactly a week from today, actually, the day I'm recording this. So so Tuesday of next week, if you got Youth Hunters 10 to 17, write that essay. Uh, what kind of hunter do you want to be? And what kind of example do you want to set for the generations behind you? And just send it in. And some of these essays have gotten, they're just a, a, a quick little paragraph and others have been super long and in, in depth and that is that that that's not what the parameters are so don't worry about it the 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 short ones have as much of a chance as the long ones do so this is this is uh for you guys i want these youth and hunters or youth hunters involved in uh really looking forward to doing this giveaway so um it's gonna be awesome give me those uh oh send them to jim at the western huntsman.com that's my email it'll be in the show notes all right guys today I'm talking with Bob Lagasa, and he is a return guest on the Western Huntsman podcast. So Bob is the guy that I uh, I talked to last spring um, uh, regarding when he got attacked by a grizzly bear while elk hunting in Montana, and the he actually got to come in the studio this time and sit down with me. And Bob is a super cool dude, and I just I really like having him on the show. He always has a lot of good information. That uh, that I can glean out of him, and and uh, he's he's very he's a lot more seasoned at doing this kind of stuff than I am, and so it's it's kind of nice. It just kind of put me at ease, it put him at ease, and and we just kind of flowed right through this conversation. And what we're talking about is filming your hunt and creating content, or just filming it so that you always have the memory, or just filming it. You know, for uh, you, you, there's there's a term going around called visual storyteller. And if you guys want to be a visual storyteller or, or just want to keep the memory or you're actually creating real content to get out there on YouTube and, and other channels like that, uh, this is this is kind of the, the foundational episode to talk about how to do all that. Because you guys know if you've listened to this, I, I don't know shit about filming. And, and like I'm already having a problem with one of my cameras. I can't get the – it's not reading the SD card. So it keeps telling me like I need a new SD card and it's brand new. So I don't know what to do with that. So that goes to show you. I don't know what I'm doing. Bob does. Bob's been doing this a long time, whether it's for skiing or for hunting or for promotional videos that he makes, all this kind of stuff that he does. Uh, he he is going to kind of steer us and get us in the right track from kind of a foundational level and talk about how to make it from just a boring video to actual content that people will want to watch if that's your goal. So hope you guys like this episode. Let me know what you think. Jim at thewesternhuntsman.com. By the way, check us out at Instagram, Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook group called Hunting the West Dash the Western Huntsman. Uh, that thing is growing super fast and uh, trying to get a lot of good Im- information and content out on that so we can all just kind of share ideas and whatever. Uh, so jump on there and, and uh, join the group and, and follow us on Instagram. And uh, we will see you guys in the next segment. Here we go with Bob Lagasa. actual studio this time finally i'm at the broken tine studios here in <laughs> hayden idaho the broken tines that's yeah. right yeah. so i'm here with bob lagasa 
And if you guys don't remember back on, uh, uh, I think it was in April, I don't remember what episode number it was, but we had Bob Lagasa on the show, and we were talking about your little encounter with that uh, furry little critter out there in Montana, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was back, well, the uh, when we did that first podcast was during uh, early COVID. Yes, so, early COVID-19. Yeah. So we, we were both local, but still had to do it over, over Zoom or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, so it's well, good to be here. It's welcome to, to the here. studio. What yeah. do you think? And what do you I, think of this? I like it. I it's like a, it. It's kind of a shit show in here, man. But it's a man cave, and it is. that's the most important part about this. Yeah, <laughs> you got some stuff hanging on the wall, some good memories, and oh, yeah. uh, all sorts oh, yeah. of other uh, you know signatures from other people who've been here and. Uh, See, the drum set was um, put out in the garage. I imagine, imagine your wife made you do that. The wife gave me an official eviction notice on the drum set. So if I was better at it, maybe it can go in the house. Well, but. I'd come out here at 5 in the morning then and just uh, get rolling. <laughs> That's the nice thing about living out here, man. I can my, Actually, it's funny. My neighbor across the street, his, uh, his daughter plays the drums. And so they're in his shop. And she'll open the door and start banging away on her drums. So I'll come out here, open up the shop door to my place, and you can just kind of barely hear each other. But we'll have a little drum war. Cool. <laughs> it's kind of fun. So. Nice. Uh, but no, this is great. We're going to talk uh, a lot about filming as hunters and creating content with uh, with through film and telling stories through film and how to do it, whether you're a solo hunter or uh, you've got a couple of a couple of folks out there with you to film for you um, and, and maybe a little uh, equipment and editing and really talking about kind of the, the artistic side of it where you take that that raw footage and turn it into content like i watch i watch a lot of these youtube series and they they the way that they put it together so that it's entertaining to watch versus just a straight uh here's me for 30 minutes bugling back and forth with a with a bull elk or or watching a deer you know how sometimes you just you get these videos going it's like just too much time of nothingness you know what i mean and there is a there is a a method to that madness and uh trying to uh keep people entertained i call it visual storytelling visual story yeah i like that yeah exactly there's a few key things that you need to do uh, in order to make it uh interesting and exciting for uh for the viewer Mm mm-hmm Exactly, and I have no idea what I'm doing with it. And I've got, I've got this fancy Tacticam that my buddy Rudy sent me, and I want to get some really good footage this year between well, that and some other cameras that I've got. And yeah. Well, you should certainly be able to do that with the Tacticam. Uh, I yeah. understand you can zoom with it, so you do have some options with that, and you can use it as, um, um, like, uh, I don't want to say as a uh, backup cam, but almost like it's a secondary camera too, where you can, uh, you know, say take it off of your bow or take it off of your head wherever you have it mounted. It's, it's basically kind of set up as a point of view camera mm-hmm. where it's mounted, so you can see the action of what of what the of what you're seeing, so yeah. the viewer can yeah. uh, can be be pulled in. But you can use that to, uh, you know, maybe get some scenics or zoom in on, uh, you know. Um, uh, some 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 bull droppings on you know that are on the ground or the or get a shot of the creek rolling you know through where it, it just it Ooh, helps. See, this is the stuff I want to talk. It about. helps yeah. tell a story. Yeah, and I want to tell a story. There's a lot of things that you need to incorporate into uh, into a story um, or into video, and I agree with you. There's um, there are some awesome uh, videos out there on YouTube that mm-hmm. uh, people have put together, and then there's a lot of them that uh, just are garbage. Yeah. Just drive me up the wall, and my pet peeve is shaky camera, mm-hmm. um, where it's just really shaky. Um, camera's moving all over the place all the time. 
um, and the uh, editing of um, you know start and stop uh, of an edit. You know, it's typically most most produced shows unless it unless there's um if there's action coming in yes you just you let that kind of roll as long as the action is happening but you know if you got a a bull bugling and you're going back and forth for 15 minutes well you can't show 15 minutes worth i know you know bugling and not not much but you can have other things that um that that can help tell the story of what's happening and and maybe pull that down to you know to two minutes of yeah you know you bugling the elk bugling back to you you making a move um, you know hold your camera and you know rake the tree um, or or have somebody that that's filming you filming you raking the tree yeah um, a tight shot of your you know your arrow on on the rest all these things what we call kind of cutaway shots that um, Will help you get to the the next the next part of the of the story. It's a good transition piece. Like, well, how do I go from, you know, this bull, bull that was bugling for you know for 15 minutes, and you know you're going back and forth. Well, you have these little uh, little pieces that can help tell that part of the story, and then maybe go back to the bull bugling, and you know hopefully he's coming in by this point, and then it's. You know, let the camera yeah, roll, game camera on. Yeah. Most of the time when I'm doing these little cutaway shots, they're usually two, three seconds. Mm. Uh, anything longer than that is just, it seems like eternity. You know, of seeing somebody's broadhead sitting on, on, the, on, their, uh, on their bow as they're holding it, you know. Two seconds is a long time. Um, if you did four seconds, it's like wow, this is just. <laughs> so you do you break it up into two to three second type of uh, increments, and also depending if you're using music, you know, try and incorporate some of that, but try and speed things up a little bit where it doesn't need to be. Um, okay, you've already. All right, I let them know that I've got my broadhead, you know, ready to go. You don't need to have that there for five seconds. Yeah. You know, yeah. two seconds is enough to tell. Okay. He's he's ready. This is what we got. Yeah, yep. he, and all that type of stuff um, will help you uh, get to the next trans, be a transition pieces, or get you to the next next part of it. You know what we didn't do is we so last time you were on the show, we focused a lot on the on the bear mm-hmm. that uh, you put in a headlock, gave him a wedgie, and sent it <laughs> sent it running off. Remember that? I gave him a swirly too. A swirly. Uh, it yeah. was a her. A Texas twi- yeah. titty twister. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so we, we talked a lot about the grizzly bear, and we touched a little bit on your filming and skiing and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, what do you, what experience do you have with filming, whether it's self-filming or filming? You, you, I'll okay. just let you take right. that one. Uh, kind of a Reader's Digest version. So back in the uh, mid '80s, I was on the U.S. ski team, and uh, when I was done with that, and I started doing uh, professional aerial acrobatic shows, uh, I started. Being in front of a camera a lot, um, you know, for different news companies when we would travel to France, you know, we'd be uh, doing interviews, um, you know, United States, wherever it might be. So I was in front of a camera a lot and having to, in a sense, I don't want to say perform, but, you know, put down, you know, throw the yeah. shit that I knew how to do. Yeah, yeah. And from that, um, I got an opportunity to work for KXOY, uh, an ABC affiliate out of Spokane, Washington. A guy who was a skier um, 
saw us down in uh, Mount Bachelor in uh, in Oregon, and he was from Spokane and he or from Post Falls, and he came up and started uh, you know talking with us, shot video of our of our show that we did there. So the next year when uh, he had moved back here to Spokane, he uh, persuaded KXLY to do these um, little one-minute, 30-second ski tips every Tuesday and Thursday night on KXLY during the nightly news. So he called me up and asked me if I'd want to kind of um, do a on-camera interview or on-camera um, talent uh, uh, test to, sure. see, to see if I could do it. And uh, it worked out pretty. W- it worked out well. And uh, you know, I was pretty green when I when I started, but I learned extremely quick within a year of how TV works. And um, you know, when you're telling a story, it needs to be you know bullet points, uh, especially for TV news. You know, to mm. put something into a minute thirty, it needs to be short and sweet. And um, like I said, you know, you don't need to show you clicking into your into your skis for five seconds. Click into your skis for a second and a half, boom, next shot. What is it? So that's that's hmm. how I learned about this. So I was always in front of the camera as the talent um, and then a writer, producer. And, uh, you know, so being able to ski and um, do what I love to do was, uh, was, was, was pretty cool. So I did that for... Oh, up until I'm still doing it. You're still doing <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, just not for KXLY anymore. So... From from that, uh, you know, being in front of the camera and just you know interested in how, on how this all this stuff works and you know having to write and uh, put these stories together for the guy who was editing and who was doing the filming, you know, I uh, ended up buying a uh, inexpensive camera, used camera from one of his friends, and started dabbling with uh, shooting video, um, and then the editing and learning how to do that, and it was uh, pretty time consuming. And where it really came into um, into play is back in 2012, I went out on my own as far as uh, I wasn't working with his partner anymore. I'd been working with for about 20 years. And it's like, okay, if I'm going to be producing these uh, national TV shows, game on. So it was yeah. a quick learning curve on that, and I'm still learning stuff all the time. But I just – I already had the – Ability to do uh, as far as the writing and uh, how TV shows worked, as far as the timing and putting all that stuff together, because I've been doing it for you know 15 years already with KXLY. And from there, I started dabbling probably in 2005 or six, just as you know, messing around, shooting, trying to shoot some hunting stuff. And I realized how difficult it is for one to do a, a solo hunt. And this was before. You said 2006 ish? Yeah, that, 2005, gotcha. 2006. This was before, you know, GoPro. Yeah. So I was carrying around, you know, camcorder like this in my thing. backpack. Holy cow. And trying to. What does that thing weigh? Uh, this is probably about four pounds. Holy it's not smokes. too much. It's but, big, though. But yeah, it fills yeah. up a backpack, you know. Mm hmm. Um, and trying to do that. This is before GoPro and you know the the small cameras. This and is before like iPhones even, where you can uh, just you know yeah. have, everybody's got a video camera now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. so I started dabbling with that, and uh, I do I do remember a um, a a time that, um, that that changed my life as far as okay, I got to start filming hunting. I met one of my wife's. Um, contracts or contractors that 
out of Bozeman, Montana, who builds uh, furniture. Mm-hmm. He was over here in Coeur d'Alene uh, setting up one of the houses for uh, that my wife uh, did. She's an interior designer. And uh, he was telling me that uh, he loves elk hunting and he's got horses and he goes out and does that. And I'm like, man, that's a dream of mine. I said, would you mind if I came out and filmed you on a horseback hunt? He goes, nah, I don't really want that. But uh, there's these two guys that uh, that I think that w- would love to have that happen. So he ended up hooking me up with these two guys over in Montana. Uh, They're a couple years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And that first morning we went out. And we had a 370 bull at 40 yards, screaming his head off, coming <laughs> in, and I'm videoing the whole thing, and I'm thinking, yeah, this this is it. And from it's that exciting. from that point on, it's like, okay, I gotta I gotta film film my hunts every year. You know, granted, I was filming them, mm-hmm. um, which to me is just as exciting. You know, because I have to get the shot. I mean, I can't. You know, I can't screw it up. Yeah. It's like, you know, I can't screw it up for the hunter. I can't screw it up where I don't get the shot. So it's just as it's just as challenging, and it's extremely rewarding when it's all done. I mean, you feel just as much of a sense of accomplishment, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of it. <clears throat> Unfortunately, you can't, you can't eat video like you can <laughs> a big elk steak, but that's all right. <laughs> And they probably pay you in an elk steak every once in a while. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, you, you've never had any any problems getting your own elk meat in the freezer. No, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> so, it's, it's been it's been been pretty pretty good. And, and, and uh, that's that's kind of the point of what I'm trying to do here is we're talking about painting visual pictures. I'm trying to paint uh, the picture of who's who's talking to us about this. You're yeah. you're a very successful hunter. You kicked the hell out of a bear. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We can revisit that if you want. But um, and you've been filming, and you do films for. I mean, you've done one of the favorite things I've seen you do is is for the Foundation for Wildlife Management film. Yeah. Which is because that's that's a uh, it's just a program that's near and dear to my heart. Um, you've done videos for. Uh, I mean, I mean, who else have you done videos for? You you've just got like the I've, the counter assault bear spray. I've done literally dozens and dozens. I mean, I I I guess probably. I'm just going to throw a number out there. Probably at least a hundred marketing videos for backcountry lodges, backcountry ski lodges, um, outfitters, um, things that are anywhere from three to five minutes long that sell a uh, sell a product, whether mm-hmm. it be an actual product that you put your hands on, or a service like you know a hunting guide service or a ski resort. Um, I mean, I've done. Just I've done stuff for every ski resort around here, um, dozens or at least a dozen up in British Columbia, uh, as well as some for a few different hunting guides. And um, from that is, um, you know, has been a, a great learning experience. And that's one of the reasons that I did the Foundation for Fi- for Wildlife uh, uh, fundraiser video. Um, they had contacted us on. Uh, you know, being able to tell a story and get the point across of what is happening here in a in a professional professional way. And, uh, yeah, and you got you really got the essence of our struggle with wolves in Idaho. Yeah, and and so that was a perfect video for them. Your arm is that is that was that from the the bear that yeah. that scar that yeah, you got there? Because I I didn't get to see the scar last time. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty well healed up. So that's where the <laughs> big tooth went through, and that was that was gnarly. 
That was Man, really that, gnarly. I'm looking at like the coolest scar I've and ever seen in my life. That right there is the zipper line where they put the plate in there. I got like a 10-inch plate in there, and that is one of the upper tooth marks. That's one of the other tooth marks. And uh, yeah, that's so. like legitimate. You could be sitting in the bar and be like, "Yeah, I got this one from a grizzly bear in Montana." Well, I'm going to talk with uh, Nate Davenport about uh, uh, putting a little ink on my arm. You here. should. Yeah, you so. should. He told me on the phone the other day that uh, he he would agree to come on the show and give me a tattoo while we're recording, and I'd need like somebody else to talk to oh, while yeah. we're doing that. I might bring you in on that one. I'd be game. Yeah. You film it and we can talk, yeah. and, and he'll put some ink on me, yeah, and I'll cry sure. like a baby. <laughs> I haven't had a tattoo in years. <laughs> I've never had one, so. It's not uh, that bad. Yeah. Well, it depends on where you get one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've heard so. of some spots that are just brutal. It, yeah. It, yeah. 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 I, I'm, I know uh, for sure that uh, where I've gotten tattoos doesn't hurt nearly as bad as where I've seen other tattoos yeah. being put on. Yeah. So anyway, but Nate's the expert on that one for sure. So, I've, so, yeah, I've reached out to him, and uh, I just need to kind of get on his schedule. He's yeah. booked out pretty far. I know. I, I didn't know. Back when I was getting uh, – when I got – so I, I had – I've gotten two tattoos, both Marine Corps tattoos, right? We just walked in. It was like going to McDonald's. You, you go in and order a tattoo, and they put it on you. And uh, now you've got, you've got several weeks and months out that you have to be on their schedule. And, yeah, I don't know what, how I'm going to work that, but yeah. we're going to make it happen. I have a tough time trying to keep schedules that are two months out. Me too. I mean, besides hunting season and ski season. Well, those are just kind of set-asides. Yeah. So are right. you as passionate about skiing as you are as hunting, with hunting? Oh, yeah. Are you? I mean, that's, that's what I've done for you know a living since uh, 1983. So Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, mean I've skiing a couple hundred days a year from probably 1981 to probably 90 yeah. and then after that you know 75 days a year um so hmm. yeah i still i, I ski might, a lot i think i'm gonna take the kids out and do some skiing this year i haven't been in years man it's a great family sport and it really is i've tried to uh, the um uh friday friday night lights i think was uh yeah, that was that movie when uh, it was the, actually the movie. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're at the state championship, and the and the coach just uh, tells tells the guys, you know, for many of you, you know, enjoy this game because a lot of you guys in high school, this will be the last time mm-hmm. you ever touch a football. And with the sport of skiing, it's not like that. I mean, I'm almost 60 years old, and I still ski all the time. Mm-hmm. And as far as picking up a baseball, yeah, mm-hmm. I did a couple couple weeks ago, and I threw it three times and i could feel it <laughs> so it is a lifestyle sport that you can enjoy with your family and go out and be with the family the yeah. whole time ride the chairlift and do that type of stuff and then go into the bar when they're old enough and do shot skis <laughs> yeah do some shot yeah bob likes the shot ski here in the the, the jose cuervo shot ski here oh in the, yeah the, the studio so <laughs> yeah. Uh, that yeah, we've got some memories on that. Good if deal. you can, only because they were on camera, I couldn't remember. Anyway, <laughs> no. Okay, so let's get back to um, filming a hunt. Yes. Kind of what I want the audience to be able to come out of this with is what we started talking about. You All know, right. creating the content mm-hmm. out of the out of the videos, but like also just like the basic concepts. For a guy like me, I have no idea what I'm doing, and you've been super helpful. We we talked before we started recording, and I think that's going to really help. But uh, I've struggled with even formatting an SD card to, to get it in the camera. But let's just assume people have all that kind of stuff figured out. They're smarter than I am. They're ready to go out. 
can you talk about a few different types of cameras? Yeah, there's there's a lot of different cameras that are out there. I mean, you can spend a hundred bucks to ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know, there's a variety of different things for hunting. You really don't need quite that much. If you're doing a TV show, yeah, you you, you should have something that's like a pretty, ten thousand dollar camera. Yeah, you could probably have something that's five thousand dollars and be really really good. Um, so some of the things that um, that I that I if you're want to start doing this, let's talk about solo hunting. If you want or solo filming, if you want to be a solo do some solo filming, I'd recommend that you have two cameras. One being a POV camera, like a Tacticam or a GoPro camera. And the other would be a small little uh, Handycam that you can kind of hold in your hand. You can zoom in and out and get different types of things. So I recommend having two cameras. Mm-hmm. And if you can, have maybe three cameras and two of them being... POV type cameras like the Tacticam or the GoPro where you can have them set up in a different spot where they're just so easy to clip on. Like I was showing you that uh, one mount that um, that uh, is made by GoPro that is uh, kind of like a bendable neck and it's mm-hmm. almost like a pair of ice grips. So I can, if I came into a spot where uh, it's starting to get uh, get pretty heated with with a bull coming in, I could grab that GoPro out of my out of my backpack and clip it on the branch so it's actually filming behind me. I could also have the you know the Tacticam on my head or on my bow uh, so I can film you know the action that we see there. I mean you could also flip that camera yeah. around too so it's looking back at you so they can see oh, so I can get your kind of intense your, yeah, yeah your facial oh, expression. And just for clarity on that like in Idaho and I believe Washington you cannot have the Tacticam mounted I, I, I have to say this kind of stuff or yeah. I'm going to get a nasty email and somebody's going to sue me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to check. But you need to check your state regulations to ensure that mounting a camera on your weapon is legal in your state. In most states, you're good with like a Tacticam. Uh, but there are, like Idaho, you cannot do that for, for big game. You can for small game and fishing and stuff. Montana just recently changed that a couple of years ago. I checked Montana the reg- did? Yeah, I checked the regs before I came in here because I know you couldn't do that. But that type of a shot that I was saying with the POV camera where it's looking back at you, you can stage that as one of what we were talking about earlier as one of our cutaway shots. So, you know, if you're kind of in the same spot, you can turn that camera around so that it's looking back at you. Draw back on your bow, hold it, and you know just kind of you know get get the shot that you need. Let mm-hmm. your bow down, put your camera back around you know the other direction so that you can actually film you know the hunt part of it. And there's one of your little cutaway shots that I was talking about. Gotcha. So, so part of telling the story. Yeah, it's yeah. part of telling the, telling the story. And one of the other uh, key components that I recommend, depending on the size of the camera is to have a, a tripod or a monopod. Um, I've been recently using a monopod. And did it, you bring one of those I today? I did bring the monopod in here. Cool. And it will you know, extend up to five or six feet, whatever I need it to be, so that it's at eye level. The only downfall with the monopod is if you want to take scenics, it's just not really real steady. So um, I'll kind of give you a, a, a little Reader's Digest version on some elements, key elements in it, what it takes to have a a good quality, you know, five to ten minute video of your hunt. 
Okay, you're, 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 the whole idea behind this is you're you're trying to visually tell a story. Yes, mm-hmm. you can talk on camera or do voiceovers and you know you know talk as you're as you're doing some of this, but you're trying to set a scene, so you should probably have some scenics of location, you know, of, of the stream, you know, rolling through some of the mountains, um, you know, anything that is kind of pretty, you know. Um, and if you're a really good hunter, get a really prominent point that you're, you know, a mountain everybody will recognize so we know where you're hunting. Exactly. <laughs> With the GPS coordinates. <laughs> you put yeah. the coordinates in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I recommend doing that. And one of the things with doing scenics, there is a rule of thumb to, to when you're going to do scenics. Try, if you have a tripod, set it up on a tripod, find a spot that, you know, that is visually exciting to look at, film that, count to eight, give yourself an eight second count so that you're not moving the camera around quickly. Um, and it gives you time to, to have enough footage for that two to three, maybe even four second video where you can kind of zoom in on the mountain a lot of people okay. will try and do scenics where they're holding the camera and the camera is moving all over the place and you can see it as they're zooming or whatever so if you can have it set up on a tripod and this is something that i do when i'm skiing a lot because i'm not carrying a tripod around when, when we're skiing uh on a lot of these areas yeah i will set my backpack up on a uh try and get it as level as possible i'll put my camera on the top of the backpack and get it so that it's nice and as level as possible. And I will use that as basically the backpack pod, hmm. uh, backpack camera tripod. Sure. And, you know, all you need is, you know, some of those type of shots. And another key thing when you're shooting scenics is try and have a little bit of variety, you know, different, different angles. But always try and shoot, if you're shooting a mountain, shoot it wide kind of middle range a little bit tighter and if you can if you have the ability to zoom in zoom in on maybe some of the some of the rocks that are there so you have three different features that you can utilize when you're trying to you know tell this story you know you might be talking about hey we were up at mount so-and-so and and you've got this beautiful big scenic and the next one's a little bit tighter and the next one might be you know a little bit more uh rocky or something that's outcropping so have some excited man it gets my creative juices flowing have some (laughs) have some variety um whenever you're doing any sort of what we call b-roll type stuff if you can shoot wide tight and kind of a middle shot or something that's interesting where maybe you're moving the camera slightly so that you what have does things. B-roll mean? I don't know if you guys know this yet, but hunting season is knocking on our door. In fact, some states it's already even open. I'm, I'm seeing pictures on social media. It's coming, guys. Have you gotten your Scree gear? Scree is extreme mountain gear that is designed for rugged western hunting like we talk about on this show all the time complete layering system for all terrain and all conditions gear designed to adapt to the weather rugged gear backed by a lifetime warranty the vip sizing and exchange program is amazing if you get the wrong size in the mail or something's not right you send it back for free they, they send you the mailing slip for it and take care of everything guys this is great gear i've been running spree for a long time now and i really really like it it's a great company story uh, the owner is real big on having high-performance technical hunting apparel at a responsible price, and that's what you're going to get with Scree. You know how it goes. You can go drop a small fortune on, on some of this gear out there, right? And we all love to have it. I love having this gear. But with Scree, you're going to get the high-performance 
gear. You're going to get everything that you would expect on a high-performance uh, kind of company like this uh, with, with the gear you're going to get, but you're not going to break the bank. You don't need to sell your kids. You don't need to take out a second mortgage. Just get you some screen gear. And at checkout, go ahead and use the promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. That's a smoking deal. And Huntsman is spelled H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N. A is in Apple. The Western Huntsman at checkout with Scree Gear. You should check out the elk bundle they have. It's pretty spectacular. Hope you guys check it out. I appreciate you supporting our sponsors. And our other sponsor is Phelps Game Calls. Guys, the, the premier call company. Everybody knows Phelps. We all love Phelps. If you're not using Phelps Game Calls, you're not doing it right. <laughs> okay. No, I'm serious, guys. Phelps is, is a company that was born out of this uh, great American success story that started something small and it turned into this big company that everybody knows now. I use Phelps for, for my elk calls. I use Phelps for, for predator calls. They've got some new deer calls coming out. It's going to be great. So I use the AMP series for the elk. You guys know September's on its way. Or it could possibly be here by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? But September's on its way. My favorite time of year. Better than Christmas. Better than anything. September, man. Get your amp calls. I really like the Maverick and the Black Amp. Those two are screaming reads. And uh, that there's a, a bunch of other reads for different types of, of pallets, if you will, or uh, the way that you use a call. It might change. So you got to try a little bit of everything. And uh, the, the pink call is fantastic. Uh, but uh, personally, I like that Black Amp, that Maverick read. Uh, those two are kind of my go-tos when it comes to calling in elk, and boy, do they work. Uh, again, check out. Guys, Phelps has given us a, um, a promo code to use. It is Huntsman10, H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N, 10, number 10. So you'll get 10% off at checkout. Go to phelps.com and check it out. It's going to be in the show notes. And lastly, just, just as a bonus promo code for you guys that are in the market for a new set of boots, I love the Explorers from Hoffman Boots. They are badass boots. They will get you up the mountain. They will get you down the mountain for several seasons. Check them out. The promo code for Hoffman Boots is HUNTSMAN15. HUNTSMAN is all caps lock. H-U-N-T-S-M-E-N 15. Go ahead and check that out. It'll be in the show notes and uh, get you some new boots and, and let me know what you think. Thanks, guys. Here we go. Let's get back into it. B-roll is just kind of backup type of footage gotcha. of um, things that aren't really happening uh, or that are that are part of the story, but it's not, you know, it, it, it's filler, you know, like, gotcha. like gotcha. scenics. Yeah. Um, for instance, some of the cutaway shots. Um, so say that you're standing there and you've got that bull that's coming in there and there's a wide shot of you. This is if somebody else is shooting, uh, shooting the video of you. And uh, there's a wide shot of you standing there with your, you know, your bow uh, ready to go. Arrows, arrows knocked in there. Mm -hmm. And then the next little cutaway shot could be, you know, of a kind of a tight shot of your arrow sitting in the rest or a tight shot hmm. of the um, of your sights or a tight shot of, you know, of you, of your head looking through with your range finder. Try and have those impl those uh, little elements into your story and you need to shoot those uh, part of video okay. and you can do you can do that, you know, shoot everything anything that's of interest shoot it 
you know, and you can usually incorporate that into the story. Um, so something like just random stuff too, like just, you know, a good mushroom growth, exactly, you, find, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And and it, when you do that, think about keeping the camera steady. And when you just if you're gonna shoot like you say a mushroom, just you know, get your tacticam, get it down near near where it needs to be, and try and be as steady as you can. You know, if you can for eight seconds, which I doubt, but just try and hold it as steady as possible for a short period of time. So you have those type of shots that are um, what we call cutaways, and it helps okay. tell a story. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, so uh, getting back to solo hunting or solo filming, yeah. um, you know, if you can, uh, two cameras is, is, is great. Three cameras is ideal, and you know, like I was saying, one so that it's mounted on your on your bow or your body. Another one where it's you know slightly behind you, where you could clip it on a tree. And that third one, you know, um, you just that's going to be the one that is going to be that you're going to use for zooming. Um, as far as if so, so that wouldn't you wouldn't want that to be like your phone. No, uh, you could use your phone. I mean, it's amazing the. Uh, I use my phone a lot for my TV stuff, mm-hmm. uh, especially mainly tight stuff or, you know, kind of a wide shot. But, you know, that's that's about it. But I wouldn't want to be okay. filming, you know, trying to zoom of, of an elk coming in with my phone because, for one, it's going to be shaky. And, two, you know, you're going to zoom too fast. You're going to, you know, move around. So, uh, for instance, if you're if – you're, solo filming and you see a bull that's out there 150 yards yeah you know it's game on or that it, it can be but you at that point can have your your video camera with you know the handy cam with with the zoom and you can actually do some video work of that animal you know doing what it's doing okay and uh, one of the one of the things that i've learned when you're doing um uh if you don't if you don't have your monopod set up uh, and you're just doing a handheld camera. Mm-hmm. If you pull your elbows into your body, um, kind of kind tight, of like and you pull your arms up here, hold your camera right there, you can get pretty steady. So you're almost almost like you're going to catch a football, but it, your elbows are in tight. Okay. Exactly. Great gotcha. great example there. Because if you're out here and you're doing this, you're moving around a lot. But if you're in here, you're just a little bit more of a bigger platform to that's going to give you some steadiness. So gotcha. being steady is the key. Um, so anyway, and with that, you know, just shoot as much different things as possible that revolve around your hunt that everybody knows about. You know, uh, pulling your arrow out of a quiver, um, putting it, you know, knocking it. Anything that will tell the progression will tell the story. Have you ever been like in a situation where, uh, let's say we're elk hunting, and or or I mean whatever. Maybe it's a deer, and the, it, it's coming in, and you're all set. You got your camera ready to go. You clip it on a tree or something like that, and you you think you're getting this just fantastic footage. Take the shot, get the animal down, and realize like the camera's not working, or like you knocked it loose and now it's facing the wrong direction or something like. That's what that's the kind of stuff I'm worried about. I'm gonna do. I tell you, that stuff happens all the time. Does it? it I mean, it happens to you know the best it's like, like that elk right there my daughter was filming me on my phone as i called him in and then and then fire uh, through you know sent the arrow down range hit the bull and uh lo and behold 
she got a great job filming me. Looks like I'm shooting at a target or something because she you can't see the bull at all because she was sitting down low, mm-hmm. right? And so, and that is yeah, that's something that we can talk about too with um you know with people having somebody film your hunt. I let's talk about that because okay. I think I think that uh, I'm kind of in the minority when it comes to I'm a solo hunter for the mm-hmm. most part. Sometimes I my I've got a couple of hunting buddies like Andrew Tucker. He'll he'll go out with me and. Um, you know, but, but most of the time I'm alone I'm, I, and, and I don't mind being alone. I actually really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so mo- I, I think I'm odd that way. Most people go out with two or three guys or gals. What, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about the differences there. Well, you're going to be, there's, there's a few people that can do solo filming. Um, uh, Remy is, is one of them, solo hunter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's got it figured out. Rem- but Remy Warren. He has, you know, definitely a few different <clears throat> cameras with him. Um, and you know, you've got to be uh, not embarrassed to have a camera in front of yourself as you're talking to the camera the whole time. I mean, for me, that's kind of awkward. I've, I do it a little bit, but Super I just, awkward yeah, for me, I yeah. just, I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I can read, you know, I can memorize a script and talk to you, you know, like I'm like like a newscaster. Um, but you know, when I'm just, you know, out yakking, yeah, yeah I know. Just I've, freestyling I've tried it. it a couple times. Yeah. Like, and I'm a ham too, yeah. man. I, I, you know, whatever, but, uh, the, but it's the, awkward. Some of them, you know, they can do that and they know how to film just because they've been doing it over and over and over again mm-hmm. and where to have a camera and those type of shots that we were talking about. It's like, okay, you know what? There's not shit happening right now. So let me get a couple other type of shots. Let me get, you know, a shot of me jacking, a, um, you know, a bullet into the barrel or, um, you know, looking through the scope where you can have those things in your, um, in your archive from that hunt mm-hmm. so that you can have things that you can go cut back to to help tell the story so yeah i don't know who was just calling on my cell but i should have just answered it and put it on the mic huh? <laughs> I, I i meant to put it on airplane mode oh. <laughs> probably at least probably about your car warranty <laughs> probably probably they, they that's a legitimate problem for me i get i get at least two calls a week oh yeah do you get those still today oh, yeah oh. like i get them and, and i they, get two a day they, they're getting sneaky with it too they make it look like they're calling from rigby idaho yeah or something like that rigby instead. or aberdeen or, yeah aberdeen yeah there's a couple of too and it's like like a cell number uh-huh. yeah. yeah it makes it look like a cell number yeah. whatever yeah. so and there's nobody to yell at on the other end it pisses me off it's anyway. automated so uh, <laughs> you're going to get if you do have somebody have a buddy that that hunts with you it's great if you can both and you're and you're both learning how to do this you just keep handing the camera back and forth kind of like like calling um kind of like um you know when uh donnie drake and um uh, Oh God, um, Corey, Corey, Corey mm-hmm. out. You know, Corey's. You know, he calls for a lot of people, and you know they'll they'll switch. And that day that he's calling, he leaves his bow, you know, behind. He's calling, and that's what you sh- what I'd recommend doing if you're going to be doing some filming with other people. So you're either shooter or you're the photographer. Yeah, you're you're dedicated to that. Um, because it's hard to do it's hard it's to idea. do both because you're carrying you know equipment, especially if you've got a monopod with a camera on it. Or a monopod, even with just a little tiny camera, it's still things that you're carrying around, and you need to be, um, you know, aware. And you, you know, in a sense, you have a job to do, and mm-hmm. that is to capture this hunt, to capture, you know, everything about it. So going back to those cutaway shots, you know, 
Okay, you're standing up there against a tree, you know, you're bugling. He's got a shot of you, you know, bugling wide. He's got a tight shot of you, you know, bugling, you know, where it's kind of just your head and the bugle and, you know, and your, and your lip quivering, you know, from, from blowing on the reed and just those type of shots. And then he needs to be in the right position also. Um, it's usually, and it, we, Whatever the bull, whatever you think the bull is going to do, he usually does something a little bit different. Yeah. But you always try and get, if you can, behind the shooter, you know, probably three to five yards. Sometimes it's, you know, just depending on, you know, what type of coverage, you might have to get back a little bit further. But typically, the further you are away from the shooter, the more, the higher the chance of you possibly not being able to get. The money shot and what i consider the money shot is actually you know you pulling back your bow you releasing the arrow and seeing the arrow hit hit the animal um and a lot of times that elk is moved off to the side and you're over on the side now so you either can get a great shot of the shooter or you can get a great shot of the elk but you're not going to be able to get both so it's good to kind of be close to that shooter so you have a little bit of ability to possibly move a little bit kind of move mm-hmm. your body slightly to you know get get you know part of the bow in the shot those type of things really you know bring the viewer in a little bit closer but as we know it it doesn't always work out that way and that's also where those some of those cutaway shots can help i know a lot of the big um you know tv tv shows that you see where the cameraman is not in the not in the right position not that it was his fault, but mm-hmm. that the animal did something different. So okay, let me let me. I got to focus on the animal. So he's videoing the animal, and after it's all said and done, then they'll go get that second shot. They'll get that second B-roll type shot where okay, all right, animal's down. It's it's dead. We're waiting for him to uh, you know wait for that 45 minutes to expire. Okay, let me get a shot of you pulling back your bow. And you know maybe releasing an arrow. So that's how they make that look so cool, huh? Yeah. So you can you can you know save it where you're able to bring you know bring the viewer you know back in. It's like okay, and, and just an, an edit where mm-hmm. you know you pull back your your bow. We're talking a nanosecond, you know, maybe one second of video of that. You holding you know holding on the animal for you know maybe two or three seconds, and then um, you know another clip of. You know, of the elk, and then you know another one or two seconds of you pulling, you know, pulling the trigger on on your release and the arrow flying out. You know, which what is staged mm-hmm. because it, it it didn't happen. But that's a way that you can help save um, save that uh, that scene and gotcha. uh, and and do that. I mean, that happens all the time, and that's yeah. what we call B-roll. You just you try and capture as much insurance as you can. While you're out there, ah, insurance yeah. is a good way yeah. to put. That. Okay, one, gotcha. one of the things that I'm going to do this year when we're when I'm filming, I've got a cup, I've got uh, three, th- four hunts that I'm filming this year, and I'm going to really try and each time that we get a setup where it, it looks like things are going to go down, I'm going to make sure that I always try and get a tight shot of the of broadhead. You know, um, each shot. I plan on each little cutaway shot I plan on doing each time throughout because I have had the situation where, you know, I didn't have enough of that B-roll um, on the actual kill shot. And, you know, okay, so my my uh, my 
shot of the broadhead is in the sagebrush, but where we're actually shooting the bull is in a timber area, so those two don't cut together. So I'm going to make it a, a effort on my end that I want to really try and have that little checklist of types of shots that I need to get each time that we hmm. do a setup. I mean, it takes you, you know, a couple seconds. Yeah. And so, like, how many um, when you're when you're doing and this is going to be a super elementary question. <laughs> How many SD cards are you t- like when when you're doing? Let's say you filmed a good 20 minutes of uh, this bull that you're you're calling in, mm-hmm. and then you need to get some of those B-roll shots. Are you swapping out a bunch of different SD cards or? No, typically, typically not. Um, before mm-hmm. uh, most of these cameras that that um, the video cameras that I'm using are typically two cards go in them. So when one card is full, it rolls over into the, ne- into the next one. Before I started shooting wow. 4K, I was always uh, shooting uh, 64 gig cards. Mm-hmm. So I'd be able to, you know, if, if I went on a five-day ski trip, I wouldn't fill two cards. I'd fill maybe a card and a half out of, out of that. And that's just, you know, constant filming, scenics and all that. When I went to 4K, I was filling up 120 gigs a day. Just oh, really? because of the amount of information that that it that it takes. When I got my 4K camera last year, and we went out, it's like uh, about halfway through the day. I asked my uh, cameraman Jasper. I said, Jasper, how much how much uh, card do we got left? And he goes, We're maybe about three quarters. I'm like, We haven't even shot very much. And then it dawned on me that 4K really 4K. sucks it up. So. And I think that if you're trying to do like a full draw film tour, for example, mm-hmm. I think it's required in 4K, isn't it? Uh, no. No. Oh, it's not. No, it's That's, not. That's uh, so. It, it's it's got to be. It should be 1080. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, 1080. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But 4K just gives you the. It gives you. It gives the editor, the ability to, really pull in, uh, and and be able to zoom in on the shot without it getting grainy. So that is one of the nice advantages to with 4K. It lets you basically pull in about four times what you would normally be able to pull in uh, without it gotcha. without it getting grainy. So I should probably get a couple more SD cards here. Yeah. Um, being honest. <laughs> so now I, I've switched over to my this camera that I have, this 4K. Mm-hmm. I'm, sh- I'm shooting, uh, I think, 124 gig uh, cards in each one. So, uh, so there's two 124 uh, gig? Yeah, I've got dual slots in here. So how much, how much time can you film with that? Typically a about an hour with 125 i'm thinking that's going to be probably two hours i haven't shot any film with or any video yet with it but i think you'll get about two hours per card so to fill two hours that's a lot but camera like that dude when you're scenics will eat up a lot because you know you let that play uh time lapses are are those are the those are the the card suckers because you got to let those things run you know anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes even longer yeah i've and seen them where people put them like for over an hour of the sun going down yeah exactly you know, and and it looks super cool yeah you can you can break it up too or you can break up your time lapse um with uh it you know it will capture certain frames like every you know five seconds or every 10 seconds whatever it might be Dude, so I there's a lot of different okay. things to do but you know you, you want to have have some cards that uh with um like my gopro cameras i always shoot 32 gig mm-hmm. and i'm always swapping those out you know at the end of the day or or you know downloading i download every day mm-hmm. just so i don't lose anything and uh do that so 
So what hunts are you going on this year that you're um, going to be filming? Can you, can you tell us? Yeah, I've got uh, actually all pretty much all in Montana except for a, a moose hunt here in Idaho. So my father is 78 years old, and uh, he drew a moose tag this oh, year. Oh, nice! So, He's one of the few, man. Yeah, so we're gonna awesome. I'm gonna go out and uh, follow him around uh, and uh, try and document, you know, his once in a lifetime uh, moose tag. That's gonna be a great so, hunt. up here in the Panhandle. Yeah, up here uh, in the so Panhandle. Do you have like a YouTube channel? I do. I have. Uh, it's under. I think it's underneath my name. I have. I. I didn't use YouTube for quite a few years. I have a Vimeo channel, though, which is where I really put everything, um, mainly... Oh, look at your... You're, when I Google you, you're famous, man. Look at that bear attack <laughs> stuff going on there. Um, the uh, Vimeo is, uh, from a professional standpoint, being able to have clients be able to download from it and that type of stuff is the main reason. But uh, YouTube is something I'm really starting to uh, push and try and get on that platform. I talked with uh, uh, Dan Stanton from uh, Elk Shape, mm-hmm. and uh, he's really been cranking on YouTube, and I can't seem to get any traction on it. I could put something up on, you know, Facebook or Vimeo and get, you know, hundreds if not thousands of uh, of, of views and, and likes, and something on YouTube, I don't get anything. It's, really? Yeah. I've got to figure out how that works, but uh, uh, Vimeo is pretty good um, for me. YouTube is much better as far as um, uh, search engine, and it's what people go to. You know, it's yeah, it's kind of like cleaning every. To, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you got grizzly bear attack videos, skiing, archery, elk videos. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've got a YouTube channel too, man. But I, I, I was, I, I just started. Uh, Putting the episodes on there, right? Mm-hmm. The and and it would just be like a still shot of the logo, yeah. And then people could hit play and it just listen to the the episode. Anyway, point being, because of the internet where I live, you know, right here, it takes forever, and it shuts the rest. of... What is that? Oh, that's that's your the video opening plan. of uh, my logo. Spirit of September. This was. Uh a uh, full draw film festival submission uh, three years ago that I had done, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, That's a B roll right there. Oh, yeah. there's a B roll. See, I'm learning something. Yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> this is cool. So yeah, you can kind awesome. of get an idea of, uh, of you know what it takes to <clears throat> to to tell to tell a story, and you always want to try and start off with the first 30 seconds to a minute of some just kick-ass stuff mm-hmm. that just draws people in there. Um, That's a great shot right kinda, there. Kind of quick edits. And uh, that right there is because there were uh, some big fires in Montana kinda, uh, in I September. Thought, yeah. But yeah. the sunrises and sunsets were yeah. pretty spectacular. And uh, so, yeah, we did that. So. so that's that's super cool, man. And just really, yeah. it, again, creative juices get mm-hmm. flowing when I see stuff like that. And yeah. um, so you got you've got the moose hunt, and then you're going the rest are in Montana. Yeah, I've got doing... uh, I've got two that uh, actually three that I'm going to be filming, and then I'm going to be getting my my hunt filmed also. I've got a videographer that I'm going to hire to to shoot that. So. You don't want me to film for you? I mean, I can try it. Just keep I, practicing. I have, I have the new iPhone. <laughs> it's amazing so, what those, what the, what those they actually do, will do do pretty good, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. So are, are you going? Are you going back hunting with uh, the with the bear got you? Yep, going back uh, back into the bears, uh, back into the bear den. Yeah. Do, I, is there like some level of uh, 
you know, does it, I, I'm sure that brings back memories because you hunted there last year too, mm-hmm. and it was 2018 when the bear. You know, it. Not that it brings back brings back memories, but it seems like right about now is where I'm starting to get near, you know, um, game time. Yeah. I think about it a little bit more. Um, just and especially this year because there's been a lot of bear attacks. There this year. has, man. I think there's been like six. I know, and um, and most of them in Montana. Yeah. Pretty much all of them in Montana. Yeah, yeah. I think there was one in Wyoming, and the rest were Montana. And I could be, I could yeah. be wrong I, on that. But. It's just their their territory. They keep expanding their territory because you know these yeah. uh, these boars keep getting pushed out by older boars, and they keep you know as, you know going further and further away, so mm-hmm. they can create their own territory. I mean, hell. We're in North Idaho here. Yes, we've got grizzlies here, but you had one in your backyard. I know it's yeah. it's stupid, man, and yeah. and it's it's just getting to the point. Oh, we're we're about to go down a whole other topic that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they they need to freaking do something about it though, because it's getting out of control. These grizzly bears are getting out of control in terms of the numbers where they're going, the their comfort level around humans, and and these these freaking. These the legislators and, and judicial decisions that come out of emotion are not, it, it doesn't work, and we've seen that with the wolves. So that's all I'll, I'll, I don't the, mean to. The the emotional part is those um, uh, the groups, the um, you know Sierra Club, the mm-hmm. animal activist type groups. Yes, that that's all the emotion. But I'm I I've got to be. I believe that the legislature, you know, these judges that. I don't want to say that it's payola, but it is. They're supporting, they're backing their supporters mm-hmm. uh, where they're getting their funding for, you know, re-election or whatever it might be. You know, um, <clears throat> you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your type thing, and I'm I'm tired of it. I mean, we've gone through that with the wolves, and I'm you, so sick of it. Yeah, like that, I am so sick. That of it. I am, you know, it's like it, that really needs to be squared away. The grizzly thing, yes, it needs to be managed. It's, um, I mean, I definitely don't want. I mean, the grizzly that that attacked me, um, fishing game asked me if I thought that she should be put down, and both myself and my hunting partner said no. This is, yeah, and this that's is not what, what it's this about. Is what they and, do, and that's that's what we and we kind of talked about this at one point, but. It doesn't have to be such an extreme issue on either side. Mm-mm. I love grizzly bears. I think they're they're a fantastic animal, just like I love wolves. Does that mean I want them uh, overpopulated, not being sustainable in terms of, of wildlife management and killing all the ungulates and all, all this other stuff? No, absolutely not. I, it's, it, we just it's just got to be manageable. The Deep, so the area that I hunt in Montana, mm-hmm. especially during rifle season. A gunshot is pretty much like a dinner bell. Oh, yeah, totally. You can can kind of give yourself half an hour before something comes in there. And I'll tell you one thing that that we do when we archery hunt over there. Depending on on the time of day, um, if it's it's, uh, uh, where we can get out of there, you know, maybe a mile and a half in, we will find the animal and we will haul ass back to camp get everybody, go back up there with four guys, five guys, whatever whatever we can get, and then gut and take care of the animal. Because the minute you unzip that stomach and those gut pile goes out, you know, you move it, you know, a hundred yards if you can, you know, you walk back in, you could be walking into a shitstorm. Yeah. So 
Um, there's been numerous yeah. times where we've I've come across you know uh, one of our elk kills you know uh, the next day you know or I can see from a couple hundred yards away that it is bar- already buried and it's amazing. They will cover a carcass. They will dig up this entire room. Mm-hmm. If that carcass was in the middle, and they will get it down to dirt, and you will see a mound of dirt that that covers this uh, this whole thing right yeah, here. It's crazy. So it's, it's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. How's I've got a buddy in Cody, uh, Wyoming, you know, and that's uh, he just says the same thing, man. He's like, as soon as that shot rings off, man, we are we are getting that thing. It's a team effort. Everybody's mm-hmm. getting it and getting the hell out of there yeah. because, it, like you said, it's a dinner bell. So there, there have been uh, a few times where you know it's just the two of us and it's like, all right, you know, let's let's break this down right now. And it it's hard because one guy's got to be you know watching guard. Yeah, I yeah. mean that that's it. And then um, you know I, here in North Idaho, you know we don't really have that type of problem. And most of the time I was always boning out boning out our animals mm-hmm. and you know carrying them out. Now I just I lop off that you know front shoulder or that or that rear rear hind quarter, and either strap it on my backpack or carry it like a set of skis and get out of there right away. But when I come back in again for that second load, I mean it is you're on full alert. I got my bear spray out. I'm making as much noise as possible, and you know you still hear of people being attacked and, and having to. I don't want to say fight the grizzly for their for their uh, for their kill, but you know you're. Well, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. and if that if that's the case, you know it's an no-win battle for you. You, you know you got to give it up. Man, and, we can. Uh, we, I, I was I, and I've been thinking about doing this, like doing a series of episodes on the topic of predator control and predator management in, in some of these animals animals and maybe maybe trying to dispel some of the the, the beliefs out there. Uh, I don't know how far. Because the people that listen to this show are mainly in agreement. Yeah, it's like so. Like, what's the, the choir. point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what's yeah. the point? And so I haven't really thought much past that. But uh, I, I just, I wish there was a way to counter, like you said, the Sierra Clubs. Okay, but there, that type of a message though still needs to be, still needs to be sent. And I'll mm. tell you a prime example. So one of the I'm I'm going to do uh, I'm guiding at the end of uh, at the end of September uh, over in Montana, and I'm guiding my wife's cousin and his best friend in Louisiana, who this is their dream. They want to come over and elk hunt. Come to Montana and elk. So got them set up with uh, the outfitter that I work with, and I'm going to be the guide. And we were talking about wolves, and they have no idea on how much impact the wolves have made here and i you know had to kind of explain to them that you know if if it's there are wolves in this in the drainage pretty much not going to have any elk in there you need to move on and it might be two or three days so Mm -hmm. there are those type of issues and the people that don't live in this area but are still avid hunters you know they might not know about it so yeah exactly so yeah anyway spread the message Spread the message as much as you can, yeah. for sure. Do you think that that uh, grizzly bear thinks of you as much as you think of her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping not. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got off topic there, but right. what, what, let me let me go back on a couple yeah, things. Yeah, let's here. go back. Okay, so some of the things that I, that I recommend um, as far as if you're going to have a camera and you do get a you know two, three, four, five hundred dollar little handy cam that you can carry around in your backpack, mm-hmm. you know, with a little flip out screen. See if you can get one that has 60 frames per second. That's fairly common now, 
but you're going to pay a little bit more for that. And the great thing about 60 frames per second is that you can actually slow it down like a, an arrow will look look slow. It won't look jerky. You're shooting 60 frames a second if you were um, uh, compared with 30 frames a second, which was kind of the standard. Mm -hmm. So if you can shoot 60 frames a second, that's a great starting point. Um, the camera that I have here, this 4K, shoots 60 frames a second, pretty much standard. Shoots 120 frames a second in slow motion. Uh, mm. I want another that's one. That's kind of cool. Another, yeah. And you, but you have to set it up for it. It's not like you can um, shoot 120 frames a second on when the elk's coming in because you only have limited amount of, uh, of rendering. For instance, if I'm going to shoot something slow-mo skiing uh, with my other camera, which shoots 240 frames a second... Um, I only have about six, anywhere from five to six seconds of time because then it will need to render because mm. it's so much information going into it. But it's it's awesome. Like if I have somebody going off of a cliff, I mean, they're not in the air for five or six, six seconds, but they're in the air for two seconds. And when they're in slow-mo, now they're in the air for six seconds, and it's awesome, and it's and <laughs> it's cool. and it's clear. So if you can get 60 frames a second, that's great. 4K um, definitely is is would, I don't want to say a must, but if you can, that is awesome. 1080 is definitely a must, um, especially if you're going to do any sort of uh, try and submission do submissions for any sort of films or full draw film yeah, tour or whatever. You yeah, know, YouTube. You know, 1080 <clears throat> is usually the best. Um, if you're shooting, you know, by yourself, two cameras are ideal. Three cameras are better, and two of them being POV. I need to get a hold of Rudy and tell him to yeah send you one. Give more me there. another Tacticam, man. Um, Maybe he'll give me a discount. And as we had said, uh, another thing that that if you're going to do this on as you start getting better with this, you're going to want to start shooting a little bit more manual. Uh, settings as far as you know um you know your, your white balance f-stop uh oh auto focus is a I, key i totally I, I totally misheard you there i you said manual manual i thought you said manly and i'm oh. thinking oh man yeah I, i'll get more manly <laughs> manual focus is manual is what you what you want to do if, you, what is, if you can. What does that mean? You're focusing okay, through. Say that. All right. Say that you've got a, a bull standing back there, right behind all that brush, mm -hmm. and you can see him with your eyes. But when you put your camera up there, your camera is going to focus. If it's an autofocus, it's going to focus on the first thing that is in in the in the line of sight. So it's going to focus on the leaves, and it kind of blurs out everything behind it. With manual focus, you can zoom through. Sorry, the UPS man just showed up. You can zoom through the bushes and actually get the elk that's standing back there. So manual focus will definitely help with the camera kind of surging from going in and out of focus um, to where it is more of a controlled focus of um, where you can look through things. Um, so is that on one of those more expensive cameras? Typically, like the, typically it is. And, you know, it, it, I'm talking, you know, $500 and above more gotcha, than likely. Gotcha. Most little handy cams are in autofocus. And you can change the way that it autofocuses where it's not such a pinpoint but a little bit bigger spectrum. 
Um, I, I've had that issue before with uh, with this camera last year when, when I first got it. Uh, I didn't change the um, the the area that was uh, in focus, and it was pretty um, targeted, like specific, you know, like mm. your nose. If I moved it over to your ear, it would go out of focus. So you can you can adjust those type of settings, but you have to kind of go into the settings and play around with it. And every camera is a little bit different. You know, some have those type of options, and uh, some don't. So just have gotcha. to kind of see what you can gotcha. play, what you can come up with. It just you know, get out. There's and, a lot and, to it, man. It, it, it's it, like a whole other, like learning how to elk hunt again or something. There's just so much to it. But it's fun. Yeah, I it's know. It's fun. It totally. It, I'm I'm super interested in doing it, and because I've, and I, and I've said this on the on the podcast in the past where I feel like you know I I have had some epic hunts in my life, you, you know, and if I'd have had them on camera. It just would have been this fantastic memory to always have. Yeah. And it would have been cool footage, too, if I was good at filming it, you know. Yeah. I, I've had some really cool experiences. And, and and I've had hunts where I don't even take a grip and grin, man. I, I've, the biggest mule deer I shot, I've ever shot, I, I don't even have a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got his. I've just got his antlers on the wall, you oh, know. <laughs> that's so, all right, though. That's that's how primitive I am with this yeah. stuff, and so uh, I'm I'm really hoping to change that this year. And I and going into what uh, what you were saying there. Okay, we so we've we've got somebody who's they they've taken all the footage, right? They've taken some scenic shots. They've taken um, the the B roll stuff and and all that 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 we've been talking about with with higher quality imagery. And and uh, the the footage, uh, you know, 4K, 1080. Um, now we need to compile it all into like a 25 minute video. Yeah. What what do you do that on? All like, right. So you're gonna need a computer. Now wait a minute. Before you go too far, how does the average guy that doesn't do this professionally <laughs> edit this? I'll, out? I'll I'll explain it to you kind of in is. Uh, as, as, best that I can in, in layman's terms here. Okay. So you got to have uh, a computer. Um, and if you can, I would recommend getting an external hard drive because when you dump this SD card into your computer, you're going to fill your computer with all this stuff that you don't need. But if you put it on your external hard drive, your computer is not going to gain any more um, uh, you know, it's not the storage or memory is not going to fill up because it's on the external. You work from that. Okay. All right. That's the first thing. So you're going to dump it onto your external hard drive. Your external hard drive is now going to be basically your, you know, your external hard drive to, to work from. Then you need to have some editing software. There's a variety of different pieces that are out there. And with a Mac, you can use, I think it's called I, iMovie or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of features to it, but it doesn't give you a ton of stuff to, to deal with. There's another one called Pinnacle, which I think for 100 bucks that you can uh, that you can get that. And it's pretty user-friendly. There's also, if you if you have a, a Mac, you can buy, um, uh, what is it, uh, Final Cut Pro. Uh, for I think four hundred dollars, which is a, a which is a great uh, great product. There is also uh, Adobe um, Premiere, which is which is a great one, which a lot of people are using. I use um, I started off with Pinnacle, and then uh, when I got my Mac, it was about ten years ago. Um, I went to Final Cut Pro, and it you know just a it's it's a learning curve with anything. 
Final Cut Pro, is that that really expensive one? It's like if you have a Mac and you buy stuff from the Apple Store as a Mac, it's like 400 bucks, four or 500 bucks. Okay. Pinnacle, you can get that for 100 bucks, I believe, 150 bucks somewhere in there. Adobe Premiere is probably going to be about the same as far as uh, I don't even know if they'll sell it to you. I think you have to do like a monthly uh, subscription. So okay, but cool. there are lots of options out there and uh, some free stuff that you can get on your phone or different apps. And that's what I'd recommend doing at first. You know, you don't have to go. Go, uh, you know, get deep into the in the checkbook to to start off. You know, try yeah. some stuff, learn how to do it. It's like, all right, I've mastered this, and you know, I don't, I can't do this, this, and this. So then, all right, now I'm going to step up and I'm going to do Final Cut Pro or I'm going to do Pinnacle, whatever it might be. But the, each each time that you do that, you're going to get uh, more skilled and knowledgeable in how things work. Then, you know, sweet the whole learning of how to uh, edit a video. I mean, there's a lot of different things to it. Typically, here's I'll give you my my kind of schedule of what what happens. Okay. When I come back, uh, you know, say that I'm shooting skiing, I'll come back that night. I'll take the SD card and I will download it onto my external hard drive. I'll do this throughout the week, and then when I get back, I've got all these files, and now it's time to edit. I will open up um, Final Cut Pro, and I will import all that video into from your external hard yeah, drive into the, Final Cut Pro and it's still working out of your external hard drive so it's importing it into Final Cut Pro but saving it on your external hard drive too you just have to format it gotcha. um, in your in your program it's pretty simple to do but you need to learn how to you know navigate you know each different program whatever it might be sure sure and then after that um, you know you just start kind of putting together what we call a timeline, you know, grabbing videos or pictures of things that are part of what your story is. Okay, I want to do a kind of a kick-ass 30-second open. So I'll try and get all of my, you know, my A-plus shots, you know, that bull screaming in your face, you know, uh, drawing back, uh, climbing up a mountain, whatever it might be, something that, you know, is visually exciting for someone. Changing my socks. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do it with the effects. So anyway. Changing my socks. There we go. Would be glorious. <laughs> <laughs> so once you do that, uh, you know, then you start uh, kind of working with, um, you know, with with all the other aspects of it. And a lot of times, you know, you need to kind of write a story beforehand and put it together so that your images are matching your words. Um, there are some when you kind of do these uh, live hunts uh, where you can kind of edit, edit what you think, you know, kind of the chronological way that things happen for you that day and edit it that way and then you can go ahead and kind of watch it and write it to that and also you know tweak once you've written it you can go back and kind of tweak your you know your video um, you know god I wish I had a, had a, another shot of a mountain or gosh you know we talked about those cows and then now put those cows in there mm-hmm. you know that type of stuff it just it just takes some time editing is something that I really can't explain um you know, I'm sure there's like a, videos oh, and, yeah. and tons of tutorials and all that kind of stuff. You, what, you go to YouTube and you can learn how to do anything. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how I learned yeah. how to change my socks. <laughs> <laughs> I might do that for my underwear. Anyway, so yeah, that, that's that's what I would recommend. And then once you've uh, 
you know, kind of got that. You know, music is is a key part of it too. Um, always want to try and make sure that you know your music is not too loud and uh, not too overpowering. Well, let's talk about the music thing just real briefly in terms in the sense of like uh, licensing. Yeah. Uh, it what because I so I made and you would have been super proud, man. My my girls before the t- pandemic had this gymnastics tournament thing. And I went and took a bunch of different video clips and pictures and put it all into this video. And then I put uh, Back in Black from, <laughs> you know, and it, durr, wah, wah, and, and it sounded really cool. And, it, and it actually the music was perfect for the, the changing scenes and the, and the way they were doing their movements and all that kind of stuff. Well, I got flagged on Facebook, yeah. like within minutes, man. Yeah. It's like they have policemen out there. Just waiting for somebody to use uh, somebody else's music. Exactly. So, so. Um, you, there are lots of royalty-free music that is out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, since I do so much uh, editing and stuff on a kind of a national level, mm-hmm. I basically buy music rights. I buy into a library. Where, so you buy into like ASCAP kind of thing? Uh, not no, not into ASCAP, but I'll buy into. I'm in a group that's uh, called the Stephen Arnold Project, and he'll have, you know, fifteen or twenty different artists that have, you know, hundreds of music uh, uh, songs um, each, and you know there will be thousands to choose from. Say there's a there's a killer song that uh, d- that doesn't have words that is two minutes and 30 seconds long Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they'll have one that same song that's 30 seconds 15 seconds a minute minute 30 so you can kind of get the same thing but not have you know all that music or you can find things it's like god i mean i'm i'm over this minute 30 i i've got more video than i than i than i thought Mm -hmm. and uh that's the beauty with going with something like that but that costs money and I would recommend if you're just getting started, um, you know, find some of the royalty-free stuff. Yeah, you. Can, it, it, I'll give you guys a, a free plug for Audio Jungle. If you just get on AudioJungle.com or whatever, you can go in there and just pick. You, you can like type in what type of music you want. It'll pull up a bunch of options. Pick one out, and it's anywhere from three dollars to forty dollars per song, depending on what it is. So, a yeah. uh, little resource. I know YouTube will will give you music. That you can mm-hmm. you can purchase. Same with Vimeo. Um, so there are those options, and I really think that music um, definitely sets the tone. Oh, it adds a you know, lot. Nat, totally. what we call nat sounds, uh, natural sounds. You know that is awesome. Also, but you got to make sure that you're able to kind of edit between each scene with nat sounds, so you're not hearing. You know, if it's windy out where you kind of hear the wind wind going, all of a sudden it's just dead quiet or it's dead quiet and all of a sudden now it's really windy, mm-hmm. back to dead quiet. You want to be able to try and muffle that. And, and a lot of times music will help balance, be, that out. balance it out. Gotcha. So it, 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 it it's nice to have. Hmm. Yeah, just make okay. sure that it's not overpowering and too driving. Yeah. Dang, yeah, yeah. that's, and that's too, a really yeah. good point. So, really good point. Anyway. Well, cool, man. What else did we did we miss? Anything important that people should know? Well, let's see. Um, or, l- uh, limit. Here's a here's a couple other key things. I know that when you go out on a and you're and you're putting something together and you want to show everything, but like I said before, you know, it doesn't take more than two or three seconds to show what you're the point that you're trying to get across. Yeah. 
you might have, you know, say 10 awesome shots that are part of your story, but next thing you know, you know, your your video is, you know, 45 minutes long. You they they call it um, killing the babies or you know kill uh, kill kill the kill the the loved ones or something like that, where you you've already you've already said what you wanted to say there's no sense in putting in more of the same type of imagery so you want to try and make it short and concise that's why with full draw or most of these uh, film film submissions that they give you time allotments because um, our our um, our uh, it's hard for us to stay focused and mm-hmm. stay intrigued you know when it's that long especially when it's you know some mediocre shots in there just to to you know kind of say you know what was what was happening through the day. Yeah. You want your your best stuff short and concise. And if you're gonna do stuff on uh, you know YouTube and and that type of stuff, you know like just say you know you're a little bit from your hunt, you know not necessarily the actual hunt itself. Try and keep it a minute, minute thirty. That's that's usually what's gonna get the most viewers or the most views just okay. because you know we see this stuff we're we're overrun with it nowadays mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times i'll look at it, it's like god i don't have 10 minutes right now but i know i, I do got, that all I the got time a min- i got a minute somebody, 30 so it's short and, something short and, and yeah. sweet and yeah and i you, want to watch them but it's like you said sometimes you're taking a five minute break from work and you mm-hmm. jump on whatever and and yeah i don't have 10 minutes i don't you, have 20 minutes you can say a lot in a short period of mm-hmm. time yeah i mean yeah, when I it's do amazing. when I do videos over four minutes long, like all the marketing videos that I do are typically between three and five minutes. Mm-hmm. Just get to the point. Like the, the foundation for wildlife management. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a long one. Is it longer? Yeah, that's a long one. I remember it being pretty short and sweet. Maybe I, maybe in I comparison. did a, did a different rendition. I did oh, I did one that, that was uh, I think two minutes thirty, and another one was like fourteen. So yeah. You know, I probably watched the 14-minute one, but because I'm so into that yeah. s- particular subject, it probably just seemed super quick. It just had a lot more interviews. So I worked with yeah. a uh, with a writer out of Boise, Steve Steve Stubner, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. he's the one who um, uh, coordinated some of these interviews with um, ranchers and outfitters throughout the state. So we traveled around uh, last October and went to a variety of different uh, locations, interviewing people who have been impacted by the wolves gotcha and, uh, you know with that had so much content and there was like another thing that i was talking about where they you know killed the babies i had some interviews with people that were great that had great interviews mm-hmm. but i've already told you know someone else already told that that part of the story yeah they they might have told it better or or the same thing but I'm not going to put the same thing in. So gotcha. you want to just kind of limit your your message to, you know, not not being redundant. Okay. So, that, yeah. That, no, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. Short and sweet. Yeah. So if I make some hunting videos, can I send them over to you and you can give me a grade? Like sure. A great job, Jim. Or most likely, F. You failed. And I you can be bought this. with beers too. So I can I can <laughs> so send video clip and beers and you'll give me like an A. Oh yeah. Just to boost well, my ego because there's like no benefit to this for <laughs> either one of us. It's just an ego it's, thing. If you do this, I, I guarantee you, you're gonna have a pretty good time doing. It. Yeah, you're gonna be frustrated yeah. at times. It's like, oh man, mm-hmm. you know, God, what do I do here? How do I get from 
this part of the story to this part of the story or god you know i wish i would have shot that and that is the way that you learn that you you, you don't want to overshoot but you don't want to undershoot yeah you definitely don't want to undershoot and it's not like it's film you know where it costs you to develop it you know it's not an sd card it's memory boom you know you're, you're good to go yeah, you're good to go so Shoot I think all. I think for a lot of people like uh, some of this stuff in, when we're talking about filming, using cameras, transferring SD cards, and and editing, and you know some of that comes really natural for some people, mm-hmm. and other people like like me, it seems like this big hurdle to to kind of figure out, and so I, it's intimidating, but I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway, and and I want to get fairly decent at it because I think the like the what you were talking about the visual storytelling is. Like the best way to communicate without sitting down with somebody face to face, you know. Yeah. So anyway, that's just that's, my two cents. That's the the beauty the beauty of a video. I mean, I've like I said, I've I got pulled into. Luckily, I fell into this journalism, um, mm-hmm. and the more that I have been around it, the more I enjoy telling stories. I mean, when I do something on the weekend, you know, uh, Facebook. I mean, I usually have, you know. 10 to 20 pictures up there and I always try and tell a story and showcase what happened you know it's uh it's one it's what I do and you know who I am but it, it also you know gets a lot of interaction and you know people are uh, excited to you know to to see certain things you know exactly so exactly I'm just trying to pull up your website should I put your website in there well basically oh, that's not mine right oh, there. oh that's not no. yours um, basically I don't have a website uh, there's really I don't need need to. Um, I basically um Facebook Freeride Media or my name Bob Lagasa. I don't I don't um, integrate my hunting with my Freeride Media. Oh gotcha. Freeride or my Freeride Media Facebook page is pretty much ski driven, and there is a majority there's. A lot of people in the ski world that are anti-hunters, and I just don't like having that conflict. I mean, I'm proud to be a hunter, and mm-hmm. you know, I talk with people all the time. But um, I know that I would just, I would lose. I'd say you had enough backlash over the grizzly bear yeah. incident with the anti-hunters. So I just, I choose my battles. Uh, yeah. My hunting stuff, I put on my personal Bob Lagasa Facebook page, or on my Vimeo or YouTube page, and mm-hmm. people can decipher from there. But um, I just try and separate the separate the two. No, it's, I, it's not a that for people that might have a problem with that. You have to understand this is a business. Yeah, you know that yeah. you're running, and I, I get that. You're trying to get the biggest chunk in the market, and you yeah, know I, I just get don't it, for sure. I don't want to spend my time arguing with people. Uh, um, you know what? You sent me that picture of that lady. Was that you that sent me the picture of the lady in the and she's holding up the lobsters oh, yeah. with the bib? Oh yeah. And she calls. She says you're a murderer or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But she's about to gnaw down on the on the uh, lobsters there. That she just threw in. A, she just live threw in the, yeah. into boiling hot water. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. if. Yeah. So so what she does is okay, right? It's it was such a hilarious picture. So the much. whole vision of the thing. I I think I put it in the article that I wrote about it. I think you did. And and it's this just the most obscene picture of this lady, bib, lobsters, calling you a murderer for being a hunter. Well, the one, the one that topped it for me was this gal. She must have fired back on, on uh, just at me probably four or five different times. <clears throat> and I'm like, who the hell is this chick? 
and I click on her picture, and she is across, you know, her big profile picture, vegan princess or something like that. Oh, jeez. Is what it said. And then her profile picture, which is more like, you know, a, a, a tighter shot of like their face or something, is her. She is a she's a vegan, against against killing. Mm-hmm. But this profile picture of her is a at a pro-abortion rally, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you won't kill a chicken, but you'll kill a baby. Yeah, the hypocrisy of this stuff uh, yeah. sometimes. And and I want any everybody to know, like if you know some crazy, uh, I don't, they're not crazy, but crazed in their fanaticism about veganism. That they want to shove it down everybody else's throats. That would be willing to come on my show and and talk about it. They're invited. That I'd, I'd have them on my show. I just can't get them to. I've I've reached out to a few of them. That uh, some of these these uh, they, these folks out of California that are you know real activists about yeah. veganism, right? Mm-hmm. And but they just they they totally ignore me. Yeah. Uh, but they they're more than welcome to come on my show. I will talk to them and it, and be prepared for some tough questions and I'll be ready as well. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It's so. um. The caveman. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we were raised to eat meat. This yeah. this is how the world works. Yeah. You know, this is just not a. That's a whole other topic, Bob. Exactly. You want to come in next week and we'll we'll hit that. We'll pick that one up. No, because then I know that I'll be under fire again. And God, that was uh, that was that was fun, but it was. Uh, I'd rather yeah. not do that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's Consider you know that. you expect it for. A guy that has a podcast and stuff like that, I, I expect that stuff all the time. But they it really irritates me that it went to that level over a guy that went to Montana to do some hunting and had an encounter with a grizzly bear. You got sprayed in the face of all things with pepper spray and so did the bear and all this stuff. And then it turns into that shitstorm. We ridiculous. live in such a crazy world with, I mean, look what's going on right now with, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the different riots and that type of stuff. It, you just have fanatical people that um, a lot of them just use it as, I mean, like with riots, just an opportunity to F things up. It is. And, you know, with... Um, I've never seen so much hatred and um, anger as I have right now on Facebook uh, uh, over, you know, maskers, anti-maskers, BLM, anti-BLM, you know, what, uh, you know, is this a hoax? I know, where is this going to go? You know, where is this going? It is so, there's so much vitriol out there. And and the, the way, the extent that people take stuff to over the George Floyd incident. Like what are they doing? Running, breaking a window, running in, snatching a TV off the shelf, running out and and and, and yelling, "This is all for George Floyd," you know, and and this is how we get justice. How does that translate into looting? How does any of this translate into what it has become? And and how do we politicize a pandemic of wearing masks or not wearing masks? And how how does this always turn into like just a fight? And it's always centered on Facebook. I just don't know what to believe anymore. I don't either. Yeah, I mean. Whatever whatever news, I I just don't know what to believe. I, I but I read either. on. I mean, when I see on Facebook, I I don't respond to any of that stuff anymore. I just just keep scrolling, just read right through it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't even read it anymore because I don't have the time to argue. And I just it's like, what you know, you're mm-hmm. not going to change somebody's religion on Facebook. You're not going to change <laughs> you know somebody's political 
um, oh wait, thoughts. wait! I just got on Facebook and now I'm a vegan. I got to change the whole direction <laughs> of this show. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I know. To me, it's, it's not it's not worth it anymore. I um, know to do that. Just kind of scroll on and try and you know the idea for me with with Facebook is. Um, see what my friends are doing what my family's doing um they can see what we're doing we can you know enjoy each other's um adventures and that's the thing there's there's a lot of positive stuff yeah like i'm in i'm still in touch with guys that i was in the military with that without social media it wouldn't exist the the relation i mean let's face it they live 2500 miles away but uh and and but but we're still friends and and we're able to kind of connect and see each other that way and they they know what but you're up to you know what exactly. they're up to and you know kind of in, fun. in a in a in a broad stroke mm-hmm. yeah yeah so. and just a broad stroke well put it to you this way they they know the positive things happening in my life because i never post when uh something bad's going on right yeah yeah you know it's just <laughs> i mean nobody wants to i mean nobody wants to see that i totally I mean, failed at this uh yeah here, here's my <laughs> post on it. <laughs> it yeah i mean it's it should be uplifting you know yeah it should yeah, be so. it's that's the idea of it and yeah. and i think a lot of people are really good at that and there's also a lot of people that like to spread negativity on facebook and and vitriol <laughs> i'm i'm yeah. over it so yeah exactly anyways uh i like i like having you on bob well, this is your second time on the on the show been a and pleasure. I feel like it's not going to be the last. Well, maybe in November when I'm going to be back here, uh-huh. we'll go out and uh, do some filming. We should. Yeah, yeah. We should. We yeah. got uh, there's there's all there's some stuff we could do, man. Yeah. Um, I've got a kind of a tentative Novemberish wolf hunt I, I'm planning on, and I got to try to beat the snow line. And so maybe that's something we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, cool. I'm game. I'm game. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank this you so much. This has been fun. All cool. right. We'll see you later. All right. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.